There is Erasure and Victim of Love. Uh, it's Radio 3 on Thursday, the 27th of July. Good morning, Steve Vines. I, I am such a victim of love. I, I, I <laughs> just want the listener to know that. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't go there. No, let's not. No, I, I'm already regretting saying that. <laughs> You're very dressed up this morning. and Yes. You, you've dressed up for Facebook Live, haven't you? I have, yes, mm. for mm. the express purpose. <laughs> I, I, I'm told that it's in colour, is that right? It is. Oh, my you God. Know, yes, we're going to go to a high definition. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Does that hurt, or can we do that without, without an injection? <laughs> it's been quite a week of express <laughs> rail. It has. Now, this, this is, this is um, interesting. I mean, we, we, we will talk about the whole co-location controversy, but mm. let's actually look at mm. what this railway is, is doing. It, it gets you, and this this is this is such a joke. It gets you from an inconvenient part of Hong Kong, West Kowloon. Yeah, not the greatest, is it? Not the greatest, not the easiest place to get to. Um, mm. And it gets you. Say you're going to Guangzhou, for example. It gets you to the Guangzhou South Station, which is miles out of town. It's mm. nowhere near where you want to be when you land. So, well, all right, you save ten minutes on something like going from Hong Kong, but you know. All the other bits of travelling you have to do to get there. So the whole thing... I mean, I know, you know, I shouldn't say this because it's got, you know, very smart trains and mm. and apparently it's got digital something or other in them. But the actual function of this... And I know it's vulgar to speak about actual functions, you know. Mm. I like to get on a train to go from A to B. From where I live, it's still much easier to go... The old way. I go, I'll take a train up to Lowu, change on to the very, very fast trains that go. Moreover, moreover, mm. if I go to Shenzhen Station mm. and I'm, you know, reckless enough to want to go to Beijing or Shanghai or any of those places, I've got a far bigger choice of trains mm. from Shenzhen Station than I do from um, uh, fr- from the West Kowloon terminus. So. It's only going to be a handful of, of I think through two, trains, two, isn't it? Two, two, two through trains a day up to mm. Beijing, something like that. I quite so, like the old uh, trains, actually, to Guangzhou East. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite I'm, comfy I'm, with those. I'm completely happy that Guangzhou East is, 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 is not as nice as the old Guangzhou station, which really mm. is in the middle of town, and I used to like going there, but mm. hey, that's me. Um, but I, I'm just pointing this out, because... All of the propaganda that you hear from the government, I mean, you may even play one of those announcements of public interest. They keep going on about how convenient this is. Well, excuse me, the reality is that most people aren't going to be going from Hong Kong to Beijing by train. They're going, they will actually want to go either to Shenzhen or up to Guangzhou. And for both of those reasons, do you know what? It's a hell of a lot easier to use the existing system. Yeah, I think Albert Lyon on the news was just saying that seventeen percent of it could it could be beneficial to seventeen percent of, Gosh, that's of people. Impre- you, you mean people wanting to go up to say Beijing or wherever? Yeah. Well, hey, why not? I, I mean, I, all I'm saying is so that the argument about convenience and how this is really going to you know change civilization as we know it once people get on a train is is Horlicks. But let's get to the 
I mean, I, I suppose, you know, if you look at the rest of China and the, um, the way that the, the high-speed rail um, system has been rolled out over the, uh, over the last 10 years or so across the mainland, there is some benefit across the mainland because the uh, airports were all choked up and, you know, there's huge numbers of people cross from, from west to east and go home at uh, the holiday times and so on. But, but maybe that's not quite the same Well, no, but the thing is that, Kong, that you, is you would still have the access... You'd actually have more access to to the mainland's high speed I'm sorry high speed rail network mm. if you started your journey in 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 Guangdong in Guangzhou particularly because that's where all the big feeder services are. The direct service from Hong Kong is very irregular. Now I understand. I, I'm I'm an enormous train enthusiast. I understand if you've got a choice between going to one of those ghastly mainland airports or going on a train. I would too seriously consider mm. a trade but mm. i don't need to do it from west kowloon that's all i'm saying <laughs> just as an aside which is an aside um talking talking about trains that go nowhere you know i love that maglev train they've got in shanghai which goes from pudong airport to the outskirts of the city and at great stops cost. and at stops. great cost it goes at 431 yep. kilometers yep. an hour and then you have to somehow find a taxi or something <laughs> God help you if you want to find a bus um, to go to where actually you, you want to go. Yes, it's a masterpiece of planning. But, you know, it's much the same as if you use this new system mm. and go to, to, to um, the southern station in, in Guangzhou. That, that's a seriously inconvenient place to go. So we're weighing up here practicality versus changing the, the, the way that we operate laws in, in Hong Kong. And, well, that's, and that's the balance here, let's, right? Let's... let's come to that because mm. the great argument being used is oh i wish people would stop moaning on about whether it's legal whether it's part of the one country two systems because it's convenient mm. well you know what laws are inconvenient you know i i i i understand that people like president duterte in in the philippines who's a Timpot little dictator says you know i can't be bothered to hang around for the courts we'll just shoot people who are guilty it is quicker. There's no doubt about that. It's but quicker. it leads to the mm. disintegration mm. of civil society. So every time one of these tin pot little dictators tells you, or their sympathisers, of whom there are many, says to you, well, you know, I'm fed up with the courts, they're, con they're obstructing. The process of the judiciary, the process of the legal system, is what keeps society together. Once you've abandoned that for the sake of convenience, you've abandoned the absolutely fundamental underpinnings of the society that you've got. I mean, um, Hong Kong has still a very high reputation for rule of law. I think Hong Kong is ranked something like sixth in the World League of, of, of Jurisdictions under rule of law. The mainland is, is ranked somewhere in the 60ths. So, you know, wh why are businesses here? Because there's rule of law. Mm. Why are citizens more confident to conduct their own personal affairs here? Because of rule of law. And once you say, oh, well, rule of law, it's very cumbersome and, you know, stop, stop, stop fidgeting around, you know, just, just, just get on with it. And it is the tip of the iceberg. It is a very big theory, tip right? of the iceberg. Mm. Mm. And, you know, what's interesting about this co-location agreement is they've gone so far. I mean, they've gone to the maximum of doing what had to be done in their view to achieve so-called convenience so that now when you step onto the terminus and i assume this will go through in in west carolina you're then under mainland law 
say you want to read Facebook, mm. say you want to read an article about Liu Xiaobo, you are, theoretically, liable to arrest in Hong Kong for doing those sorts if you're of sitting, things. E- even if you're receiving the, <coughs> the internet on a, on a Hong Kong phone, sitting on a train, then I suppose, I see what you mean, yeah. If you were you then, are liable, hmm. you are liable to the mainland laws. I mean, and remember, um, it, once you're arrested on the mainland, you're guilty because they don't have rule of law. So you go to a court in the mainland, you've been arrested, you're guilty. I think the, the conviction rate is something like 99 point something percent of people who are hauled up before the courts. So this is very chilling. Uh, people may do other things inadvertently that they think are perfectly legal because they are legal in Hong Kong. There was talk that, um, it, but there's been talk in the last couple of days, that actually when this idea was first mooted, only specific laws would apply um, you know, uh, specific mainland laws would apply, and in fact, what's happening is they've, they've, they're going to apply everything. They've put everything. the whole the whole bucket hmm. in. You know, they've said, "Here's a bucket. We're emptying it over the terminal, um, the terminal in in West Kowloon." So, you know, the 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 reason they're doing this, of course, is because they don't want to do what is the obvious thing to do. For example, having on board. Um, immigration clearance. I mean, you know, you go to places like... I'll give you a very good example where this happens. Switzerland, which is so tiny that every time you get on a train, you land in another country. I'm slightly exaggerating, Mm. but Mm. the point is that Switzerland is surrounded by, you know, Italy, by France, by blah, 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 Germany. So, you know, um, they have a lot of experience of of people taking a train to another jurisdiction. And in that marvellously Swiss... Um, bureaucratic but but entirely functional way you get on a train and and uh, a, a person comes along with a clipboard says i want to see your passport and it works it works like mm. a dream mm. why wouldn't it work like a dream here it seems a perfectly valid question mm. but no and the reason they're not doing that i think is actually rather sinister because i think deliberately the the mainland authorities want to tell hong kong that the land that is granted to the SAR is at their discretion. So that if they want a bit of it back, yeah. they get a bit of it back. Well, this is the point, isn't it? That, uh, you know, the, the, apparently basically, the basic law doesn't define what are the borders of Hong Kong. Well, but the State Council has. This is very interesting. The State Council's actually gone through an exercise in doing exactly that. Mm. But now they're saying, oh, OK, we know what they are, but, you know, well, maybe we'll have a bit of this, we'll have a bit of that. And a very interesting comparison, and this was made on, on no less a station than RTHK yesterday by a legal scholar, Eric Choi, who said, you know, you compare the approach to this and the approach that was made before the handover to the drafting of the garrison law. Now, the garrison law is the law which allows the PLA to, to have um, bases here, it has its people here. When that was drafted, which of course was in the period when one country, two systems still seemed as though it was going to be what it was stated to be, you know, what it said on the mm-hmm. tin, mm. high degree of autonomy, nobody said that the garrison would be on lands in Hong Kong that were part of the mainland. All of the military sites in Hong Kong are in Hong Kong territory. And, and even further... The members of the garrison are subject, when they're outside of the uh, PLA barracks or, or wherever they are, they are subject to, to Hong, Hong Kong, Kong law. law. Mm. Now, mm. can you imagine? Mm. 
Can mm. you just imagine, fast forward 20 years to where we are now, if that law was being gra- drafted today, we'd be hearing, oh, well, you can't expect the military to... <laughs> military land should be absolutely be the uh, within the sovereignty of the People's Republic. We can't have Hong Kong, yes, sir. It's extraordinary. We're only talking two decades, and the argument has been turned on its head. But is it a fait accompli? I mean, has this just been decided? We can't do anything about it too late? Well... Everything's a fait accompli until it isn't, is my mm. view. You know, when when um, Tung Chi in 2002 introduced the uh, Article 23 legislation, there were exactly the same people going around going, well, you know, it's inevitable, it's Article 23. But there was resistance, and the resistance ended in that legislation being um, put to one side. Now... As it so happens, it's almost certain to be coming back under Carrie Lamb. Mm. And the situation, I freely admit, is very changed from that which prevailed in 2002-2003 when that legislation was finally quashed. You know, the atmosphere has got that much sharper and the determination of the central government to, to, to keep Hong Kong in its box has got that much stronger. But having said all of that, um, you know... Uh, if people are going to passively accept everything that happens without um, turning a hair, well, you know, they will get, they will get what they want, or they'll get what they haven't, they haven't asked for. Let me put it that way. Wednesday morning with Steve 